0: Sunday. Huh? Not bad for time. Pretty good. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> On this Time Change Sunday, we would like to welcome all you true followers of Jesus <laughs> <clears throat> for being here. It <clears throat> is uh, it is historically the uh, worst attended Sunday in churchdom. Did you know that? It's true. But uh, I'm excited to be back home this week after The opportunity. Thank you for letting me go down to uh, uh, what felt like uh, South America, but it was just Venice. And (laughs) I was there preaching at uh, Trinity Presbyterian Church. Had a great time there. Uh, The message about what we're doing at Grace Life was well received, and I had an opportunity to preach, and it was fun. But I'm glad to be back here mainly because there I had to wear a jacket. (laughs) It was not good. I'm Joe Davis. I'm the pastor here at Grace Life, and we're continuing now with our series on the life of Joseph. We've called it Surviving in Egypt, and we've tried to make sure that you understand that Egypt is a picture of the world that we live in. That we are actually in Egypt, and that's kind of what we're doing. But today's sermon is titled Dinner by the Pit. And so just start off with this. Have you ever been surprised... It's important. Have you ever been surprised by how comfortable we are with our own sin and the dysfunction that it produces in our lives? It's like going to a really nice restaurant and being perfectly fine with sitting at the worst table in the place. I remember a couple years ago, we went to a restaurant. It was really nice. But they sat us so close to the bathroom that we could hear everything. (laughs) People coming in and out, the sounds, everything else that goes along with it. (laughs) But frankly, guys, this is how most of us choose to live life for years on end. Right next to the sounds and the smell of our own depravity. Oh, now listen, there are things that we will never be comfortable with. And, you know, we have that list because, you know, we're not animals. But yet over time, we become more and more at ease with a host of behaviors and actions that we would once never dream of. And that's what Joseph's brothers do in today's passage. So let's just read the passage today. Uh, chapter 37 of Genesis. And I wanted to do like eight or nine verses, but there was so much in these four that I had to stop. So uh, then they sat down to eat. Now, then they, you know what they did before? They threw Joseph, their brother, into a pit because he was going to come and, and tell on them. And he came up in his colorful coat, and he's all arrogant, you know. And so they mug him, and they throw him in a pit. And it's a deep pit. He can't get out. And after they do that, they sit down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum and balm and myrrh and on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? In other words, hide what we do. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers, yeah, that's a good idea. So the the Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up out of the pit, lifted him out, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Interesting little amount of money there. And then they took Joseph to Egypt. So historically, I want to look at all three applications of this passage, history, spiritual, theology, and then the devotional, personal. What about us? So let's talk about the history. Let's eat. They had an amazing, these brothers, comfort with treachery. They were very comfortable because of their anger and you know justifying doing this because of everything they, that they thought that he had done to them. Joseph's brothers were very comfortable throwing him into a pit. And they didn't even think twice about it. Matter of fact, they probably enjoyed the whole scene. And afterwards, they sat down to eat dinner together right afterwards with unbelievable callousness. There's no remorse. There's no concern. There's no maybe we should let him out. All they had was food and fellowship right in the shadow of their treachery. In fact, apparently, according to Scripture, his brothers were so close to the pit Where they had thrown Joseph in that they could hear him cry for mercy as they would confess later in Genesis 42. Then Joseph's brothers, they said to one another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother and that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. They could hear him crying. Let me out. What are you guys doing to me? Please don't leave me down here. I don't want to die. I'm sorry. Please begging for mercy. I bet they even mocked his cries for mercy. I thought you were gonna rule over us, little dreamer. Ha <laughs> ha. Boy, that little colorful jacket you brought sure is nice. Little baby, shut up. All kind of little big brother stuff that you would think when you throw your little brother into a pit. <laughs> so understand what the pit symbolizes here. This is important. The pit symbolizes the depth of their depravity. And they are in no rush to get away from it. They are completely comfortable right next to the pit. They're perfectly fine with Joseph being in there for the time being. So that's the first thing we see is their comfort with their treachery. But then we also see their rationalized depravity. This is amazing. This is what we do all the time, too, frankly. I bet you when they were younger, they never planned on, when I grew up, I'm going to be a slave trader. Yet their brother became the inventory of their wicked entrepreneurialism. I worked on that phrase for three days. Come on, give me some credit. (laughs) That's a good phrase. I'm going to read it again. They never planned on being slave traders. Yet their brother became the inventory of their wicked entrepreneurialism. Somehow, thank you, that's a good one, thank you. Somehow, somehow the moment comes, think about this, they never thought they would be in that position like when they were 10, but somehow the moment comes where it seems natural, in fact it's rational, and a justifiable action, not only to throw them in the pit, but to sell them into slavery. Comfort with their depravity resulted in what? Further depravity beyond anything they probably ever considered being involved in. How in the world did these guys, sons of Jacob, arrive at this place? They became so spiritually numb, they started the deed, took a dinner break, and then finished after dessert. And this opportunity arises as slave traders show up. They decide to stop short of the worst they could do because, you know, they have standards. (laughs) Come on, guys. We can't kill him. He's our brother. Let's just sell him and keep the money. That's better. This isn't mercy, church. Just because they didn't go so far as to kill him. In fact, they were willing to do that at one point, if you remember. It wasn't that far-fetched of an idea. But this rationalized depravity is, in fact, depravity at its finest. And that's how we are. We rationalize our depravity constantly. It is at its finest because it has been rationalized. Think about this now. They have rationalized slavery as an action that is merciful. When in fact, it is just as despicable in God's eyes. They spent a whole day dancing between mugging and murder, and they settled on lying lying and slave trading as a better alternative. Look, Joseph may have been a spoiled brat, but he did not deserve what his brothers did to him. Would you agree? I mean, it's just ridiculous. So that's the history. History. Let's talk about the spiritual side. What about God? What does he do and and why and how does he do it? I want to talk about the pit and Jesus. First of all, when I would talk about the pit a little bit, I want to kind of hit on this point. As you can see, these brothers were depraved beyond belief. But it's the kind of thing that we Christians do all the time, especially when we compare ourselves to the outside world. It's very easy for us to be forgetful of our own contributions to the depravity of the world around us, isn't it? You know, because we get up on Time Change Sunday. We come to church. (laughs) We don't go all the way to murder. We have our righteous limits. But here's what we do, church. We stay in earshot of our pit, constantly, constantly sometimes peering in sometimes walking away but it's always within distance we are surrounded by the reality of our depravity but not just the depravity of the world it is of our own making as well we are living with next to and in one giant, massive pit, all of us, together. Because you understand, part of learning how to survive in Egypt is admitting that without Christ, we are Egypt. Not only are we the pit, we're the brothers that throw Jacob into the pit. Because we're slaves to sin. It's interesting, they sold their brother into slavery, but we ourselves, they were slaves. But man, aren't we so good at pointing it out in other people's lives? Like Joseph's brothers, aren't we good? Well, what, that's a pretty nasty pit, Joseph's brothers. That's pretty disgusting. This depravity can make of our lives and frankly the lives of others a big cesspool of pit living. Yet it is our failure, and this is important, it is our failure and our full nature to have a huge blind spot and an ignorance to your own depravity. As a matter of fact, the scripture teaches us this in Jeremiah 17:9. The heart is a sequel of all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Think about the depth of what I just read. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now you can see why they arrived at the moment of slave trading and considered murder to be too far, but slave trading is mercy. That's the despicable wickedness of the human heart left to its own devices. Yes, yours included. Even after Jesus, there is a tendency in our heart to be so... Man, you think you're good at lying to other people. You're best at lying to yourself. You're the easiest person to convince. The scripture is clear. The evidence is overwhelming. We are more often than not the brothers of Joseph than we ever want to realize. The comfort level we have with our own pit is so pervasive in every area of our life in how we spend our money, in how we treat people, how we, t- how we spend our time, how we interact with one another. We are so good at it. We become blind to it and we rationalize it into comfort. And here's what happens. You ready? Listen, we end up eating dinner near or in the pit of our own filth. Listen, day after day, month after month, year after year, dinner by the pit every night. Because we're slaves. But there's another part of the theology of this passage. I want to talk about Jesus in the pit. We can clearly see that Joseph in his innocence in this respect did not deserve to be thrown in the pit and sold to slavery we can clearly see joseph is a great picture of jesus thrown into a pit which symbolizes death and the grave consequences of our own sin that's how i want you to see the pit and joseph as a matter of fact we see clearly in first peter chapter 2 verses 22 to 24 this is peter describing jesus Ironically speaking, this is what's so amazing about this story, their depravity of throwing Joseph in a pit and rationalizing selling him as a slave, that led to Joseph, at no fault of his own, being sold. All that ended up being the course of suffering and hardship for Joseph that led to the actual salvation of his brothers during a famine. These depraved slave traders, their wickedness becomes the tool that God uses for salvation. That is ridiculous grace. Think about how frustrating it must be to be Satan. I convinced these guys to sell their brother as a slave and that ends up saving them? That's ridiculous. Isn't this just like Jesus and us? Just as ultimately their salvation came from selling Joseph into slavery, listen, our salvation comes from the treachery of Judas, who betrayed Jesus for money, and Peter, who denied him three times, and the high priest who conspired with the Roman government to crucify Jesus and throw him into a grave. A pit. That's the theology now about the personal. What about us? What are we supposed to do and why and how do we do it? It is very easy and, in fact, natural for us to identify with Joseph as the victim in this story. I mean, what it does, what being the victim does is this. It helps you, listen carefully, it helps us ignore our own pit. Yet it enables us to deal harshly with others. Especially when their pit impacts our dinner time at our own pit. Your pit is too close to my pit. I can't eat. Quiet down. And it becomes this dueling dinner at the pit contest. And we justify it because we identify with the victim. But there are moments... There are moments when the Holy Spirit allows us to see the pit through the eyes of Jesus. So this was the uh, social media campaign this week. Suffering because of the sins of others is when we can empathize with our Savior. When we suffer innocently like Joseph did in someone else's pit, It becomes, if you are enlightened by the Spirit of God, a unique chance to see things from our Savior's perspective. We get a glimpse into, just a glimpse into the love and grace of the innocent Jesus, our Joseph, if you will. It's the moment that redemption, and this is crazy, begins. We suddenly have eyes that are able to zoom out And the lines we draw around our own sin, our own pit, and those around us, those lines begin to blur into non-existence. And we begin to see, oh, it's not just their pit and my pit. It's all one big pit. And we see what put Jesus in the pit is in reality our own wicked depravity. We just threw him right into the pit. But he allowed us to. Willingly, so that he, through the suffering that he endured by us throwing him into our pit, so that he might be our path to salvation during the spiritual famine, our path to forgiveness, our path to being transformed. Which brings me to this point I want to talk about your pit. I've been taking notes. (laughs) Here's what the brothers didn't see, because they were blind to it, because they were comfortable. They didn't see that they were in the pit spiritually. No awareness, no brokenness. And just like us, they were and we are all tolerant of the pit. In fact, we rationalize the severity of of our own pit to the point that we become comfortable with it. But how precious, this is important, and this, this is probably the key takeaway today, how precious are those moments, guys, those moments of sobriety when we see, wow, how did I become comfortable living like this? How did I get here? How did I get to this point where I thought, well, this is a perfectly rational way to live? It is then that we begin to hear the cries of Jesus on the cross like Joseph was crying to his brothers. As a direct result, we know those cries are because of our own sin, because of how we threw him into our pit. It is that point, that precious moment, that we begin the process of reconciliation with God as he suffers because of our pit. And he is the innocent sufferer. Thank God for the innocent victim that becomes the path to redemption. Thank God for his willingness to be thrown into our pit because through his innocent suffering, he enables us to see the treachery of our own pit and all of its impacts. Through that process, we develop affection and gratitude for the one that helped us out of our pit. We become Supernaturally, we begin to become wearisome of the stench and the consequences of our own depravity. And we are no longer comfortable eating and living with it. We have become the ones crying in the pit for mercy. And unlike Joseph's brothers, our righteous brother, Jesus, our Savior, willingly jumps in and pulls us out. Have you ever been there where you had that moment of sobriety and said, how did I get in this pit? Jesus, please help me. He doesn't stand by eating. He jumps in, pushes you out and says, I'll stay here and clean it up. Whoa. Today, you don't have to live near your pit anymore because of the work of Jesus. I have some powerful scriptures that I'm going to share with you as we kind of wind up. Psalm 30, verse 3. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from hell. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. All through the Old Testament, you see references to the pit. It's not a coincidence that Joseph was thrown in. And that's a good one, but here's my favorite. Here's my favorite one from Lamentations. I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. Isn't that good? You heard my plea. And unlike Joseph's brothers, do not close your ear to my cry for help. You came near when I called on you and you said, I got you. Don't fear. Isn't that amazing? My prayer today is that some of you have come to the point where you realize, how did I get so comfortable in this disgusting pit? I don't want to be near it anymore. Oh, Lord, hear my cry. Pull me out of the depths of the pit. And when you do that, his response, do not fear. Dad, your grace, your willingness to put up with the pit of our depravity is stunning. We're so thankful for the picture of Joseph and we're thankful for the picture of the depravity of his brothers that teach us, inform us, help us to understand what the pit is and what innocence is. And we're so thankful that once we realize that we are actually the ones in the pit, when we scream and cry out for mercy, you don't turn a deaf ear. You come and say, Do not fear. I have a way out. Jesus, please enable our people to be sick and tired of living near the pit. We don't want to eat another meal there. We want to eat with you.